0: Welcome to They Might Be Librarians, a podcast of the Playfield Guilford Township Public Library. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. I'm Lauren W. I'm the Teen Central Supervisor.
1: I'm Lauren M. and I am the Cataloger, and I purchase adult fiction.
0: I'm Joanna
2: Sproul and I'm the Community Liaison.
3: And I'm Matthew Stevenson. I work in the Technology Department.
1: And Matthew's also our producer of this podcast. We're always happy to have him talk.
3: It's good to be with you today on this
1: May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, Matthew.
3: Also with you. Okay,
0: before we get into that, Joanna, do we have anything fun coming up at the library? We
2: do. It is May, so that means summer reading is about to kick off. We have, yeah, we are going to have our summer reading kickoff party on Tuesday, May 31st. It's going to be at Hummel Park, which is new this year for Mm -hmm. us. Um, it's going to be outside at the uh, shelter number three. Anyone and everyone is welcome to attend. Um, we'll have some refreshments, games, and activities, and people can sign up for summer reading if they haven't already, and it's
0: just going to be a really fun, fun event. Yeah, I think also um, you can sign up for Prize Patrol at the kickoff, which is a yeah. big big deal. Do you know more about that? I do.
2: So Price Patrol is really cool. It's a summer reading um, sign that you can put in your yard. So summer reading lives here and people all over the community have it out in their yards. And then I believe it's once a week. Yes. We all go out in the library vehicle and we scat around looking for the signs and then when we find one we give them a bunch of really cool prizes and balloons and just celebrate summer reading and people participating in that
0: yeah so you obviously don't want to miss out on that so you can only get those signs at the kickoff party and be able to be eligible for that prize package through. i think another big change this year is that adults will be reading based on time that's how their log will work So it'll be more similar to children's and teens. So I think that's exciting because there will be a completion ability for adults this year as well. So, and I know we have a lot of fun gift cards and raffle prizes for um, those who are participating in the reading. So there will be a lot that people can win this summer, which is very exciting. That's awesome. You can find all this information on our website at plainfieldlibrary.net slash summer reading. And I just wanted to mention that our summer reading starts on Tuesday, May 31st, when our kickoff is, and then it ends on July 15th. So you have a good six weeks to get your reading in for this specific program.
3: Sounds good.
1: We love summer reading here. (laughs) So, uh, for those of you in the know, you definitely know what Matthew and I were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, but for those of you who don't, today is May 4th, which is Star Wars Day, called May the 4th Be With You, and Matthew and I, if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know that we're both huge Star Wars nerds, and um I'm certainly very excited to to tackle this topic. (laughs) I could probably talk for three, four hours about Star Wars and what I think of it, and all the times I've seen the movies and TV shows and books and graphic novels. I mean, there's a ton of media out there for Star Wars. If you just can't get enough, come talk to me. I will tell you where to go.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so today is uh, May 4th, and just to clarify, uh, we do, when you're listening to this, it will be well after May fourth, hopefully, um, if I have my act together, this will <laughs> you'll be have this episode available sometime, maybe as early as Friday, uh, which would be May sixth, but probably not until the following Monday is my guess. But anyway, don't let that throw you off. Happy Star Wars Day! The whole month of May, I think, is a good time to celebrate Star Wars anyway because the original movie um, was released like on May thirteenth, nineteen seventy seven. So I feel like the whole month of May. It's a good time to celebrate those movies and um well the whole expanded universe now that we have with it
1: i was gonna
0: say and if you're prepping for the new obi-wan show right
1: yeah absolutely yeah um so mike my partner showed me the trailer just the trailer for the new obi-wan show and i actually teared up at it i feel like i've reached some other level of nerdiness just tearing up at a trailer
0: I mean, as a personal crier, I can't
1: blame you. It's tears of excitement, right? Yeah, tears of excitement. uh, And also just, uh, uh, I felt like I was being pulled back to my childhood. Mm. Because I, you know, I I remember seeing Obi-Wan for the first time. Now granted, the first time that I saw him... To my memory, was in Return of the Jedi because, as much as I talk about how old I am, I was not around when the first Star Wars movie was released in theaters. Uh, although my parents will tell you their story about going to see it, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but I just, I, I've always felt this love for Obi Wan, and just being pulled back to remembering seeing him for the first time as the the Force Ghost in Return of the Jedi. Um, Just it it pinged with me when I saw this trailer, just like that that giddiness from being this, you know, little three year old watching Return of the Jedi and yeah. I love that.
0: That's some good nostalgia wrapped in current day stuff.
3: Yes. Yes.
0: Matthew, are you excited about it?
3: Uh I guess I am. I I feel (laughs) like I um I was a huge Star Wars nerd when I was younger. And like I went I was just thinking about this this morning and for this but how formative it was seeing the movies in the theater and so I'm not old enough to have seen the original version but I did see um, I saw them on TV I guess when I was really young and enjoyed them but then the re-release happened when I was in middle school the Mm. special edition so it's been like 1997 and I went with a big group of friends we saw it in the theater and it was just a it's not I haven't had many experiences in a movie theater where the whole crowd is just so into the movie cheering you know for all the action that's happening um, and then when the new, the new trilogy came out, I was in high school and it's, it's a similar experience. I was re- recalling, we went to the midnight showing of Phantom Menace and, and of course that movie is not really held up as, as a great <laughs> cinematic <laughs> moment. Um, but culturally it was a really big deal. So we went, to, we went to the midnight showing, we got there like hours ahead of time. There's a huge crowd. Everybody was just so enthusiastic. And I was thinking about those moments the you know, those the previews and then, um, you know the theater gets quiet for a moment while they bring out the main feature and that build up it starts with the 20th century fox fanfare and then the lucasfilm logo and people were like cheering <laughs> and then there was just this hush because then the screen goes black again and then the, the blue letters a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and then just like this intake of breath and then the main title and the trumpet fanfare and all that and the crowd just went Ballistic. <laughs> he thought it was the most wonderful thing we'd ever seen. Anyway, that's an experience that I've never had with any other film franchise or at any other movie I've gone to see. And it, I was thinking too about uh, how that kind of experience might not have really happen again, as diversified as Hollywood is now, and is with uh, streaming services and movies don't even go to theater all to the theater anymore. Um, that's that's an experience that my my kids might never have, as far as. Being so wrapped up in a, a movie.
0: Yeah, I I miss the days of midnight releases, but I think the closest was when the latest Spider Man came out, and I went to the theater here in Plainfield to the Dolby Cinema, and um, I usually don't have that experience here. I used to have it on the South Side, but people really got into it uh, for Spider Man and like started yelling at the screen before it even started, and they're like, "Bring out Toby!" It was was so good. I I was so happy to have that experience again. I
3: was wondering. Because I'm not really into the Marvel um,
0: Marvel, has Marvel that kind stuff, of and I was wondering if it
3: carried on. I figured that it might.
0: It's just different now without them. I used to go to every Midnight release because yeah. I'm, I'm that person for Marvel. I'm not so much for Star Wars. <laughs> but um, I had that experience a lot, and it was really sad when um, Midnight releases had to stop after the Dark Knight.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember taking uh, my nephew. Who, he's now 10, but he was only 4 maybe he might not have even been four yet when i took him to see the force awakens i I turned him into a star wars nerd at the age of two like i take full credit for his love of star wars um and um, he was very excited for The Force Awakens and then as soon as the we're, like, we're sitting in the very front row because he wants to be as close to the screen as possible and as soon as the trumpet fanfare happens that kid was out of his seat and dancing around the theater and like we're trying to get it back to his seat everyone around is just good naturedly laughing at him because they see this tiny child just so excited for Star Wars oh, yes. and then he just he kept leaning over to me during the movie, like, who's that? And I tell him, like, I like him. Who's that? Tell him, I like her. You know, just different things. And then, of course, when you know, he's used to the original trilogy, when it's a young Harrison Ford as Han Solo, and then, of course, Han Solo shows up, and as we all do, he has aged. And <laughs> my nephew turned to me and said, Who's that? And I told him, That's Han Solo, and just like loudly, I'm sure everyone in the theater heard him said, "What happened to him? Why is his hair all gray?" <laughs> like, oh, buddy, you don't know about aging yeah. yet. You're so fresh. <laughs> but I was still so happy to be able to um, share the experience of Star Wars with him because it means it means so much to me. I'm getting choked up talking about it. Apparently, it meant so much to me growing up, and it still does. And now it means that much to to him too and like he plays all the Star Wars video games and he's always sending me screenshots of what he's doing and they there were uh there's one game I don't remember which one but you could make your your own characters to be Jedi and whatnot and he he made um a character of me based on me who was a Jedi in this game and so sweet. I know <laughs> oh
0: my goodness there's just something special about being able to share your interests with other people mm-hmm. so I love that you're able mold
1: such a young child Mm -hmm. into somebody who likes, you know, similar
0: things, and you guys can talk about it. Oh, yeah. Geek out, I guess, more than
1: just talk. (laughs) Of course, my mom likes to take credit for AJ being, uh, that's my nephew, uh, being a um, Star Wars nerd, uh, because... She turned me into a Star Wars nerd. <laughs> yeah, well, both my parents, really, are Star Wars nerds, because uh, they, I mentioned it earlier, they remember going to see Star Wars on opening night. They just, they went to a movie every, you know, every Friday or whatever. Uh, that was just their thing, and... Um, they really didn't know much about the movie, but they'd kind of seen the previews, and they were like, eh, it could be fun. You know, my dad was a Star Trek fan, so they were like, yeah, this this could be a fun space adventure. Nobody was in the theater when they went to see it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, yeah, the, I the advertising for it was just nil for the most part, but they went to see it, loved it. Then they decided the next Friday that, like, yeah, I want to go see Star Wars again. The theater was act Like the movie basically built itself on
3: word of mouth.
1: Oh, wow.
3: Yeah.
0: So that's an, an interesting story. Now I'm curious, Matthew, how did you get into Star Wars?
3: I um, I remember watching it on on uh, TV when I was young. I can't say my parents were huge fans or anything, but it was it was on TV and I was allowed to watch it. <laughs> it was appropriate for children, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I guess I mean for me, the seeing it in a theater for the first time with. With friends who had who were also fans, that was probably the the biggest experience, mm-hmm. as far as getting me into that um, the universe. And then also during that time, there were a, a lot of books that were being written, which are now no longer considered canon by by Disney. Yeah, we could talk about that. But um, <laughs> but so I read all those books. I in fact I remember one of my early memories of coming to the library was coming here, and I uh, I guess I didn't know how to use. To search the library efficiently, but you know the star- they all had very distinct spines, mm-hmm. and so I would just walk the shelves and look for the, the Star Wars logo on the on the spine and find find Star Wars books.
0: Okay, but, so you were self-brought into the Star Wars world, whereas yeah, but, Lauren was born into it. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was
3: my you know it was my peers, not my not my family. Okay.
0: So okay, so I did want to ask about the whole old stuff not being canon anymore. <laughs> How? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Did you guys read all those books? beforehand before it became not canon
3: oh yeah i <laughs> i did and I, I i still i think they're excellent the heir to the empire series and it's fantastic and i feel like it was a i sort of understand why disney did it so they can yeah. have the creative freedom but still
0: to, to build their, their own thing
3: heart. oh yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely mara jade and grand emerald Thrawn and you know that's that's where i am and i would i mean if i was in charge of Lucasfilm, those would be the movies we would, we would have made.
0: <laughs> well, that's the, I mean, there's so much source material there. You never know. They could bring it into canon, I guess. Yeah, and,
3: part, and some of it they have slowly. So I think, like, Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, I mentioned that, I think has been introduced in, um, through the, through the cartoon series. Yes. Um, so, it, like, that's, some of his story is in the canon now and all that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and there have been several uh, books written about Thrawn as well. Okay, so he
0: has yeah. officially Yes, know, yes, <laughs> and,
1: like, I, I, I purchase adult fiction every time a Thrawn book comes up. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> especially if written by Timothy Zahn. I yeah. He's a fantastic author, and he seems to just have this... He's not my favorite Star Wars author, but I will say he's probably, like, the best because he just has this connection. I
0: was going to say, he has a ton of books, right? Yes, like, yes. if I know that name as a Star Wars author, as somebody who's never read a Star Wars book.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if Zahn was the first, but, because um, there were a couple of books that came out, like, in the early 80s, right after the movies, um, but I feel like Timothy Zahn was the first one in the early 90s, and that took that universe and really expanded on it um so he's probably the best known another one is brian anderson who's who wrote a lot of the the now non-canon material mm-hmm. and i also remember when i was in middle school we had a great middle school librarian who um she organized a book club and one of the things that we did there was we had we had a conference call with brian anderson um and to talk about his writing and of course i wanted to ask him about the star wars books and Uh, all that kind of stuff. So that was also an early memory. I was really into those books and it was really cool to be able to have a talk with one of the authors and get his insight. And he also, he's written now within the the Dune universe, which is Mm -hmm. a whole nother area of nerddom. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, that was... that's
0: tangentially related, right? Wasn't a lot of Star Wars kind mm -hmm.
3: of based on Dune? Oh yeah. So Dune is the the grandfather of a lot of space opera.
1: Do you remember what questions you asked Brian Anderson?
3: Not precisely. I I remember asking him about information because this was maybe t- two years before Phantom Menace came out, so they it was in production maybe, and for some reason I just assumed he might have some inside scoop about like <laughs> the plot and uh-huh. the characters and like. So have, have you talked with George about this new storyline and what's going to happen? And he had not. He had no. He had no more information than <laughs> in any <laughs> of us, but he was very gracious about it. I love that. That's so
0: cool. Uh-huh.
1: That is very cool.
3: Yeah. So shout out to uh, the middle school librarian in 1997, Mrs. Krskovic. Uh, right. I'm sure she's not there anymore, but uh, that was that was a great program.
1: And that, that yeah, that was an amazing idea on uh-huh. her part. Just wow, she was a great librarian. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Lauren, do you, you read the books too? Then
1: I do read. I do read some of them. I, I can't say that I've read all of them. Oh,
0: I think that'd be impossible.
1: No, I'm pretty sure my partner Mike has oh. read all of them. <laughs>
0: sure, I guess I say that, and I have a friend who has. I'm sure. Read yeah. Pretty
1: much uh, uh, Mike read all of the stuff that's now non-canon mm-hmm. and probably can uh, recite a few of the books by memory because that was that was their thing growing up. Like, um, <laughs> so Mike also grew up in a um, a not so permissive household as far as what media. Um, They were allowed to consume, but Star Wars was definitely okay, Um, and Mike actually saw The Empire Strikes Back before A New Hope, so had already been spoiled for Mm -hmm. one of the, yeah, didn't care, because, you know, didn't think it ruined anything, but... um, um, anyway, and then also just was like so into it that they had to read all of the books and would corner an adult if they were like, so Mike, what's going on with you? That adult would be stuck. Oh, no. And Mike would have to just tell them all about all the Star Wars books. So, there's a reason why we get along really say, well. What a bond right
0: there. <laughs> yeah, now granted
1: we do not agree on everything. Okay. But I'm sure that makes it interesting. It does, yes, because we can have nice debates about yeah. like what we think of certain movies and whatnot. So, and I know Matthew and I don't agree on everything with, uh, especially the Star Wars movies, but um, it, it makes for interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah,
0: you don't have to agree about everything to
1: enjoy it together. But there, there's one book that I genuinely loved, and it's written by my favorite of the Star Wars authors, mm-hmm. um, and he's written a ton of stuff, not only for Star Wars, but for other things. Uh, it's Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older, um, and it's... It's a story of Han Solo and Lando Calrissian, and it's like they're they're dual protagonists, and um, it takes place in three different eras, one prior to the movie Solo, One in between Solo and A New Hope, and then the other one between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you get more adventures between uh, Lando and L-337, his uh, droid sidekick, which I thought that Lando and L-337 were actually the best parts of Solo. (laughs) But, I mean, Lando was played by Donald Glover, who is... Right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And also, like in the between Jedi and Force Awakens, you uh, get more of like you get some backstory on Han's relationship with Leia, and his relationship with Ben prior to him becoming Kylo Ren, and it's it's very interesting, and it's it's a lot of fun. And then this this uh, series is pretty old, but I still love it. Uh, It's William Shakespeare's Star Wars series by Ian Descher. It's fantastic, and I highly recommend listening to it on audio. Um, It's Digitally, it's all available on Libby, but they have multiple narrators, and it's presented like a Shakespearean play so much better than just reading it yes yes and um january lavoy is the voice of like all of the female or female presenting characters and she's one of my favorite narrators for audiobooks just she's fantastic like so a double win for you. yes <laughs> yes um and i love the names like instead of a new hope it's william shakespeare star wars verily a new hope <laughs> uh, yes yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the, um those are, those, are the, uh, those are the ones that I have, like, the strongest relationship with. I've read a few others that I also like, but those are the ones that I absolutely recommend. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matthew?
3: Um, well, besides the, the old stuff, like the, the Heir to the Empire trilogy, um, and the, like the, there was a young Han Solo trilogy that was really wonderful, and I thought set up the Han Solo story a lot better than... The most recent movie, uh, console <laughs> movie, which was fine, but uh, like I said, those books were just magical. But uh, there was a book that came out a couple of years ago that I really enjoyed. It's called From a Certain Point of View, and it's a collection of short stories from minor and even obscure, sometimes unnamed characters in the original movies, and it's it's really, um, it's just a fun adventure into the Star Wars universe. Not all the stories are great. Some of them are kind of dumb, I think, but there were... <laughs> There are some really good ones, and it gets you to think about some scenes, some iconic scenes in the movie, uh, but told from a character that's in the background, observing things happen, that kind of thing. So check that out. It's called From a Certain Point of View.
1: Daniel Jose Older actually wrote one of the stories in that.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they collected all the good, the greats, right? So that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but I did, I was working on a July order of books, and I noticed that there is a new book coming out in July 26th. It's uh, called Padawan and it's about Obi-Wan as a Padawan. So it's when he's under Qui-Gon Jinn. That's how you say it, right? Yes. Okay. You're all right. (laughs) Um, And so he is upset with how he's being trained. He thinks there's too much meditation and not enough action. Um, And then when the time comes for him to actually prove himself, Qui-Gon Jinn has disappeared, and then he ends up on this planet with teenagers who are Force-sensitive. But something's wrong. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's trying to figure out, he's even meant to be a Jedi at all, which, spoiler, he becomes one. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it sounds really interesting, and it's by Kirsten White, who's a great author with media tie-ins, so I think that one's going to be a good one.
1: Yeah. You talking about um, meeting all these teens that are Force-sensitive made me think of one thing that did disappoint me in the newest trilogy is that Finn meets... All of these uh, Stormtroopers, or former Stormtroopers, and we don't really get as much expansion on that. I, I feel like if we just, if we could, could we please get a spin-off series or something with John Boyega and all of these new characters that were introduced? Because they were, I loved Finn. And I love John Boyega's portrayal. And I understand that the death of Carrie Fisher did cause a lot of problems uh, for The Last Jedi. No, Rise of Skywalker. I was just nodding along, but yeah, you're right. (laughs) But, um, you know, I I get that there were a lot of problems, but now that Disney Plus is going strong... I don't see why we couldn't have something like that, and I would love to have even more expansion on Finn, oh, yeah. and, in, and also, I would love to just get some background on these former stormtroopers who broke their protocol. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted more Finn all
0: along, mm-hmm. so I, I would totally be in for a series on
1: Finn. Are you listening, Disney? <laughs> Probably not. We're not a very big podcast. <laughs> That'd be amazing if
0: you were. Yes. <laughs>
1: I see you have uh, the Ahsoka book as well on your list.
0: Yes, that is by E. K. Johnston, and um, it's about her after she left the Jedi Order uh, near the end of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So it gets kind of follows her after that. So between that and then what you see of her, I guess. in... does she show up in the Mandalorian? Or yes, yes, okay, she does. That's what I Um, So, before she gets back in the Mandalorian. So, that one's a fun story. And I know, I have a friend who is obsessed with Ahsoka. He he loves this book. So, I'm also going to make him listen to this podcast. So, he's getting lots of shout shout outs here. He's my source for all Star Wars knowledge. (laughs) But, yeah. So, highly recommended uh, if you you like the character of Ahsoka, which I think lots of
1: people do. She's really cool. Yeah. She is really really cool. And I... Uh, I've I've watched both seasons of The Mandalorian. Um, I'm saving Book of Boba Fett for a little bit later, okay. but yeah, I I was thrilled when Ahsoka showed up, yes. and I appreciated the portrayal of her as this you know fierce warrior, but she also has this like soft intellectual side, um, and just she was so nuanced, and yes. I just I but I but I also wanted more. Of her, and I thought that they did a good job of giving us enough to like, kind of satisfy us, but also leaving us really wanting more with her character.
0: So, hello to another series. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They got so many that are, oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that would also be
3: cool. Yeah, this is the direction that I that I would like for Disney to take the Star Wars universe. Speaking as somebody who was kind of disappointed with the with their trilogy um, their Skywalker trilogy but to, to focus on some of these other characters that are really compelling because The Mandalorian was a fun show and um, Book of Boba Fett also had its good moments movies like Rogue One that are you know related to the Skywalker trilogy but not about the Skywalkers and their struggle in my opinion are, are where the, the good stuff is so
0: you think um, offshoots
3: yeah I, like I said the I think there's a lot of problems with the the last trilogy, the you know, uh, eight nine or uh, seven eight and nine. Some of it just comes down to apparently they didn't plan out the whole storyline and follow follow through with the plan. Um, which for whatever you can say about the prequel trilogy, at least George Lucas had a <laughs> coherent vision for where the story was going. So it you know, it wasn't always an exciting story. Um,
1: you can, just, you can <laughs> argue that he had a coherent vision. I would argue he had a vision, but it wasn't
3: coherent.
1: But that's, that's my personal <laughs> so opinion so baseline on it. <laughs> a
3: vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't, I don't know, he wasn't changing his mind in between each movie.
0: Right. Well, wasn't there a swap of directors in the last two?
1: There was. J.J. Uh, Abrams did the um, and s- yeah, well, seven the and nine, first. and Ryan Johnson did um, the eight. Sorry, it's okay. No, it's okay. I, I when you say first and third, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. And okay. it's, you're not. Yeah, you're not being confusing.
0: So there was some like pushback, right, on some storylines that one of the directors had pushed and then taken back and then yeah. pushed back for her. Yeah.
1: And then also again, there were some characters that were going to get more focus, but because of Carrie Fisher's passing, they had to use archive footage because her character hadn't passed mm-hmm. away yet. Um, so they had to use archive footage that kept um other things out of the storyline which i kind of wish that they had chosen a different i don't know a different method but you know i i can i can see where i I guess i'm a little more forgiving of that just because it's like oh you you had an unexpected death of a character that's going to be very important to your story so i'm a little i think i'm a little more forgiving of it matthew but i do agree that it was a problem
0: what I think is interesting, I think, Matthew, you said you have not seen the last
3: movie. I have not seen Rise of Skywalker, and I honestly have zero, zero desire to. I mean, eventually I suppose I will, but I feel like there's too many other good things to watch, just even within the Star Wars universe, like Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Um, so I've not seen Rise of Skywalker. I, I have talked with friends about it, you've seen it, so I understand what's happening, and I uh, that's part of the reason why I have no desire to see it, because it just doesn't. <laughs> the granddaughter of Palpatine... Uh, is not does not excite me it makes me just roll my eyes.
1: <laughs> In fairness Daisy Ridley's portrayal is something I, to watch I think
3: I, I think the character of Ray is fantastic and I I mean I, I enjoyed Force awakens and I really honestly did like the last Jedi and I especially liked Daisy Ridley but I feel like that was yeah. for her character uh, Ray that, that was not that's not what I wanted to see I really, <laughs> I really liked the idea that her parents were nobodies and that she was force sensitive. Mm-hmm. On her own, without mm-hmm. needing to bring in this cool. baggage, and somehow, anyway, anyway, wanted to see you get riled up. <laughs> it, ta- it takes a lot to get me riled up. Aww. But speaking of uh, Daisy Ridley and her character Ray, I do also want to briefly just give a shout out to um, what I think really made Star Wars. If, if George Lucas is responsible for Star Wars, which he is, uh, the person who made Star Wars. Great and popular, in my opinion, is John Williams, who wrote the score. Yes, wrote the score for all nine of the the Skywalker movies. Um, But he wrote uh, a fantastic theme for the character of Ray for the Force Awakens, and um, I got to hear him uh, conduct the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra several years ago, and they did a performance of of Ray's theme. Um, but when he introduced the piece, he spoke before each piece they would play. When he introduced the piece, he didn't call it Ray's theme; he called it Daisy's theme, mm-hmm. which I thought was really—I um, don't know if he did that on purpose or—I don't know. But anyway, I just thought it was really nice that he—it um, like was yeah, personal for him to write to write that music.
1: It's very um, sweet, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. If
3: yeah.
0: talking about like Star Wars things that would make me cry. I think that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I love the character Ray too, and uh, I think—I think all three of you know this, but. <laughs> um again the level of nerdiness i own two ray costumes two separate ray costumes because i could not I, I went to go buy one could not decide which one i liked better and i love it
0: and you do the different hairstyles
1: with both And i, love I do yeah <laughs> so good. yeah um and in fact a few years ago we did a star wars program here on may the fourth and it actually popped up in my facebook memories so good yes Um. Also, one person that we probably should thank that doesn't get thanked that much for making Star Wars happen is Marsha Lucas. Do you guys know who she is? Yeah, Matthew, I know you know who she is.
3: It's George Lucas's first wife. She was okay, the edit. Is she- I don't think he's ever remarried, so, or
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't really know too much about George Lucas's personal life other than her. Yes. Because she edited the film. What? Yes. That's
0: fascinating.
1: I know. Yeah, um, the the what he had shot was.
3: I feel like she won an Oscar for so Star Wars was nominated for Best Picture um, in 1977, and it lost to some movie that has anyway. But it, <laughs> it, won, it did win several technical Oscars and mm-hmm. won Best Score for John Williams. Of course. But it also, I feel like it won the editing award. Um, and as well as like a special effects award, so I, I think I think
1: you might be right. She's, she's yeah. one of the
3: Oscar winners for yeah. Star
1: Wars. Yeah, she she was brilliant because the film. That, I mean, obviously, some of the film that he shot was was brilliant because the movie itself is yeah. brilliant. But um, if you go back and you watch the the preview that they had, you can tell that the story actually when they submitted it for trailers, not terribly tight, okay. just not tight at all. Very loose. Kind of ridiculous. And then she came in and she was like, We're going to move this here. We're going to move this here. Leia was like not even in the last, I don't know, quarter of the film originally. But then she moved stuff around, moved scenes around to like keep her in the story. So her being there for like the medal ceremony made even more sense and gave her more personal stake in it. And then we ended up getting one of the most iconic movie characters ever because of because of how she edited the film and Carrie Fisher's portrayal. But if the film is not edited, well, a good portrayal is not going to make any difference. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Good
0: trivia for
1: you guys. Mm hmm. course going on i not not to knock carrie fisher because going on in the other movies you know she it's all on carrie fisher and she helped create the, the the iconic role but if it had not been for Marsha lucas i'm not sure we would have ever even gotten the rest of the films yeah the
0: theaters would have stayed empty probably right
1: mm-hmm. so that's interesting all right so i suppose we have to stop talking about star wars <laughs> now to keep this from going on too long
0: i'm so proud of you <laughs>
1: Let's talk about what we're all geeking out about. <laughs> Lauren, would you like to tell us what you're geeking out about?
0: You know, I don't know that much has changed <laughs> since the last time we had our podcast. I'm still listening to um, Agatha Christie books and watching mysteries. I just started watching um, Under the Banner of Heaven. Have either of you guys started watching that? No, not yet. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you guys know about it? It's based on a John Krakauer. Is that the author's name? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm like <laughs> adult stuff is not my realm <laughs> um, so it's about um, a murder in the Mormon community or LDS community. Mm-hmm. and so um, it's, it's it's been interesting I love Andrew Garfield so that's why I'm watching um,
1: of course I, you love Andrew Garfield
0: <laughs> I can't imagine why <laughs> um, but uh, he's doing a really good job I think the show's doing a really good job also there was a, uh, an actor that I'm sure is known for much more but I was like is that billy from twilight (laughs) and it was (laughs) (laughs) so that's been intriguing um but yeah so i've seen the first two episodes and they're they're really good they're doing a good job of like bringing in the history of lds and like um kind of going throughout the characters and like flashbacks and current day stuff and i think it's it's pretty well done so far so uh, i'm excited to watch the third episode and i'm trying to figure out what's happening so i guess still mysteries i've been working a lot i'm doing a a craft show soon, and so I've been working on all these uh, keychains as I watch. So I have like a whole box of keychains that I've made as I'm nice. watching all these things.
1: <laughs> so, what about you? So um, I am still kind of geeking out Taskmaster, like in the last podcast. Oh,
0: I have to look it up. It sounded so interesting.
1: It it really is. It, uh, when we had Arts Gala here I actually was talking to a couple of artists about the show and then all of a sudden another one comes in and is like yeah you're talking about blah 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 and I'm like yeah. you're a fan! we have things to talk about. <laughs> but the other thing that I'm kind of geeking out right now is Moon Knight. Oh okay. Um, it's, it's currently on Disney Plus it's a Marvel property and I had never heard of this character before. Um, Mike kind of gave me the down low before because of course they knew about it. Um about this about this particular superhero and uh I was hooked from the first episode. Um but the uh so um the character is um well he actually he has uh dissociative identity disorder. So sometimes he is Mark, sometimes he is Stephen um and there are other there's another personality in the comics that has not yet been introduced in the show don't know if it's going to be but um it's so far been a really interesting and according to uh some uh psychologists and psychiatrists relatively accurate portrayal of did um but it's it's not just about um it's not just about that um uh, Mark is a mercenary, but his big thing is searching for um, ancient Egyptian relics. And then Stephen is um an Egyptology expert. He works in a museum and he's like he can read hieroglyphics and uh, they're the the main point of the show so far is um the two of them sharing a body. Are trying to stop Ethan Hawke's character from bringing back an ancient Egyptian goddess who, regardless of what you have done, will look into you and see what you will do, and will smite you if she does not think you are worthy. So it's just, but um, there's been there's been like some horror elements, there's been some mystery elements, there's been a ton of action, but it's also kind of funny at times. Sometimes just blatantly funny. Sometimes very darkly humorous. So it, it kind of has something for everyone. And I guess connected to Star Wars again, Oscar Isaac. I was waiting for you Yes. Talk. Who was who Poe Dameron in the latest trilogy, uh, portrays both characters um and is brilliant. Like it's an amazing performance and everything like when he is one character going to another character, like everything changes. He's he's you can tell he's like really thought about um how a different character would be and it it, actually maybe i'm not even so much geeking out the show i'm just geeking out oscar isaac's performance what's
0: interesting is i so i've been watching it too um because it's a marvel thing yeah and uh, i have not been enjoying it all that much but oscar isaac is such a good actor Mm -hmm. that he's really i think he's making it past the point of when I would be like okay I think I'm done Mm -hmm. um but he you can tell like you like you said like the body language is Mm completely different with his different characters and stuff like that so yeah he is definitely uh making
1: it yeah yeah oh yeah he's he's been brilliant what about you Joanna what are you geeking out about right now
2: oh let's see um well I'm not geeking out necessarily but I have started reading a book Call I Know, an actual physical book. <laughs> uh, we got uh, some books donated to the library to distribute out into the community, and one caught my eye. It's called Origins of a Story. It's 202 Inspirations Behind the World's Greatest Literature by Jake Grogan, and it is teeny tiny little snippets about authors and some of their best works of uh, literature and how they were inspired to write them. And it, it's very short little snippets. It's not like anything that's really mind-blowing, necessarily. It It's just... It's interesting perspective on how they got into writing whatever the story is. And I'm waiting... Um, to take a break later today because the next one up is Roald Dahl with uh, oh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I love reading about Roald Dahl. He is one of my favorite authors. I read a ton of his books as a child yeah, and I just think he's so good, so I want to just see what that one is, but none of them have, like, blown me away by any means, but I just need little bits and pieces of information to go into my brain and then (laughs) maybe stay, maybe not stay, but um, it's just, it's nice when I take a break to have something to read that is, you know, Mm -hmm. not my phone, not TikTok. (laughs) I really am trying not to be on my phone with breaks and things like that. I just want to take a break. From That sort of stuff, so
0: that's great, and
2: it that sounds perfect because it's such short, mm-hmm. you know,
1: yeah. Sorry, no, that. no, it's okay. I was just gonna ask, is there anything about Rebecca because I know that's your favorite book? Uh,
2: it is my favorite book, I have not seen anything yet okay. about that, but um, I don't know if this is, Unfortunate. yeah, it's wild anyway. That <laughs> I am <yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is really up your alley, yes, <laughs> it is. It. What about you, Matthew?
3: So, one thing I I guess I'm sort of geeking out now. right now. I came across this this book called The Powers of Darkness. Somebody, I forget how I heard about it, but it is an um, Icelandic translation of Dracula. So when Dracula came out at the turn of the 20th century, um, it was very popular. It was written by Bram Stoker in English. It was extremely popular, and it was translated into many different languages and published all over the world. It was a huge seller. The person who did the translation into Icelandic who was apparently friends with, with Stoker, didn't actually really translate it. He uh, made his own story. Basically, he made his own story. And nobody really realized this for like a hundred years yeah. before somebody who could who had read the English and then also was familiar with this Icelandic. was like, these are very different stories. And so some more digging around. There's now like scholarly work being done on trying to figure out the sources of this Icelandic version, which was built to me as basically it's, it's Dracula, it's original yeah. Dracula fan fiction. I some love of it,
2: that.
3: I know it's very, it's very fascinating. So some of it might be based on early drafts that Stoker had of Dracula that he apparently shared with um, his Icelandic translator. But anyway, so the Icelandic version has been now retranslated into English in and it's a, published under the title of Hours of Darkness. I would highly recommend reading it. It's not it's not very long, just like, you know, Dracula's not terribly long. But you'll notice some big differences immediately the the first section of the book, you know, where Harker goes to Dracula's castle is much longer than in the original um, original or in Stoker's Dracula. There's a lot more stuff that happens while he's in the castle. And that takes up probably 75% of the book. And then the, the second half uh, of Dracula, where Dracula comes to London um, is, is very brief and the character and a lot of the characters you're expecting to see aren't, aren't there at all. So it's very, I won't say it's better or worse than uh, you know, the version that Stoker published But it is interesting, and the story about how it was discovered, um, this edition that I read actually had an entire probably 50-page essay at the beginning kind of explaining the textual differences between the two versions and how they were discovered and what scholars are looking at now trying to figure out how much of this was invented whole cloth by the Icelandic translator and how much was based off of notes that they found of Stoker's detailing out possible ideas for Dracula. So anyway, it's got me down the whole rabbit hole of... Dracula and the there's been lots of stories written about him and of course then the historical Vlad Vlad the Impaler that it's loosely based off of. So oh that's my kind of gosh. what I out now.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> I wanna geek out about this now.
0: I know. I was I, like, that's how would anybody know except for a hundred years later when translation is different, you know? Yeah,
1: well I, I read I read Dracula when I was a freshman in high school and just fell in love with the book. And I like, I try to reread it every few years mm-hmm. just because I mm-hmm. love it so much and particularly in the fall, it feels appropriate.
3: Oh, wow. I It's a great, it's a great story that's, even though it's an old story, it's held up really well. Yeah. It's very intense. And um, So yeah, ch- check out, check out this original Dracula fanfiction fiction and it's, like, it's like Icelandic, so it has that just kind of, you know, odd Scandinavian take on things.
0: See, I've never even
3: read Dracula, so I need to read Dracula,
1: and now I need to read this. I highly recommend that, yes. Uh Sounds like a good
3: plan to me. And uh, we would be remiss, too, if we didn't talk just a little bit about one of our hosts here, Lauren Weddle. Today uh, will be her last podcast with us, at least as an employee of this library. I hope that she will return and and host a podcast again as a special guest.
0: Definitely will.
3: But uh, Lauren is leaving uh, the library for an opportunity to work with her church and I just want to say, personally, I will miss her as a podcast host. She does an excellent job with that, but she's a fantastic librarian as well, and she'll be sorely missed by her patrons here.
1: Yeah, I'm going to miss my podcast buddy and my friend. I come to really think of you as a good friend, and I hate that you're leaving. I understand why, and I think it's a great opportunity, but I'm going to miss you tremendously. Well,
0: thanks, guys. I told you not to make me thrive. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I will say Joanna has inspired a lot of what I'm going to be doing at my church. So I'm really excited to be able to take what I've seen Joanna do in the community here to the west side of Indianapolis and be able to connect with the community in that way there. Um, So thank you, Joanna, for being such a good community liaison.
2: Well, I knew that you uh, kind of had it in your heart to do this sort of stuff. I know I've sent you an article or two and talked to you about some stuff connecting with the community and turning outward and listening to what the community wants and needs. And I know you'll do really well and we will miss you.
0: I'm going to miss you guys too. I'm going to miss being on this podcast because I have a lot of fun with it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but like
0: I said, I'll be back if you guys invite me. So,
3: I'm Yeah, I think there. we can arrange. <laughs> Absolutely. Some, some uh, special guests to come visit us.
1: You want to close us out one more time? Yes, I can do that. So
0: uh, thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast, They Might Be Librarians. Um, we're Plainfield, Guilford County Public Library, and you can leave us a review and share us with your, your friends, family, and neighbors.